Hello, everyone. Welcome to the American Blue Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Admiral Tim Gallaudet. I'm the CEO of Ocean STL Consulting, a former deputy administrator of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. Also was the Assistant Secretary of Commerce and before that, the Oceanographer of the Navy. We're a monthly offering by the American Shoreline Podcast Network and brought to you by Coastal News Today. The American Blue Economy Podcast brings together leading voices in the ocean, coastal, and Great Lakes-based economies to expand awareness and collaboration, identify positive solutions to address the many challenges to the ocean economy, such as conflicting uses and climate change, and provide thought leadership on keeping the blue economy at the forefront of American conservation and prosperity. Well, today's episode is a bit different than past ones. While most of the American Blue Economy podcast shows are upbeat, I feel compelled as a professional oceanographer to take time today to reflect on the recent tragedy involving the Ocean Gate Titan submersible, which imploded at a depth of 13,000 feet when diving to visit the RMS Titanic shipwreck. Joining me for the discussion is Tyler Buckingham. He's our producer and engineer, and he's also the business development lead at the uncrewed systems developer, Blue Robotics. So let me just begin here. And first off, uh, let me go over to Tyler and ask you, what were your first impressions when you you learned about this potential tragedy and then then when it was confirmed? What were your thoughts on this? Everybody saw it. This was everywhere. Oh, it was it was everywhere. And Tim, it's it's just a real honor, as always, to be here and um, I'm so excited to get your uh, story as well because of your your unique perspective. Um, but you know, I I learned about it on the news, and I've got to be honest with you. Uh, uh, you know, in in our community, it's it's very well understood what uh, the pressures that the Titanic is at, and uh, the what I think really was hard about it was watching the news and really feeling like the story was being drawn out I, it, to, to be honest with you and um unfortunately i just you know the the likelihood of a survival in this kind of si- situation is just it's it's microscopic and uh i mean i know that and it seemed as though that was not being uh, transparently reported and that the news was just, you know, counting down the amount of oxygen. And, uh, you know, I just, I just have to say, I, I thought it was a little, a little bit too much, but, um, it was also a tragedy and it really made me think about how far we've come. Um, because as you know, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Ballard and, um, You've had him on the show. It's one of my most proud producing moments. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember I've watched the press release from when he found Titanic back in 1985. And, uh, you know, we've gone from that to now an adventure tourism uh, economy on it, and which has created another Titanic type disaster. Exactly. And it's an incredible thing to have seen. So that's, that's kind of my, my perspective, Tim, I'd, I'd love to hear your experience. Well, that was really good, Tyler, because you're right. This, uh, the sort of journey from Bob Ballard finding it. And again, he's been on my, our show and he's, was a longtime friend and inspired my career, as I've mentioned on several episodes to become an, an oceanographer in the Navy. 
to now, again, repeat visits to this historic shipwreck as adventure tourism, which is, which is, I think, very good. I think this is more people seeing the ocean are going to, are going to support protecting it. Um, but being in the listeners of this podcast and our community of ocean science and tech professionals, this has just hit so hit so close to home, and and that that's definitely one part of how I feel and how I process this. And and then just like you said, there was that time of hope. And we wanted something, but we knew it was probably against all odds, which was, in fact, the case. But uh, I'll th- I thought our listeners would be interested to know how my attachment to this story and how, how, it, how it progressed. It was very interesting to me. I was in southern France. I worked for two uh, uncrewed robotic systems uh, developers that are French-based. One's Exhale. They build a Drix surface drone that NOAA operates. And then there's one called Alcimar which is in Provence, and they build a, a crude underwater glider called Sea Explorer. So I was, at the time, preparing for that meeting. I was in uh, a little town called La Ciota with my wife, and I get this text. And I got a phone call first. I didn't answer it because I, I didn't know who it was. And then I get a text from uh, a woman at the Explorers Club who I've worked with for a few years. The Explorers Club is this famous club in New York City that uh, members founded that, that had the the sort of reputations like uh, astronauts who have visited the moon and, and people who've summited Everest or hit the North and South Poles. This is that the caliber of club, and I'm a fellow there. And I get this call, and it was on behalf of the president, Richard Garriott, who's been an astronaut and, uh, and, and climber. He, uh, he was basically marshalling the entire network when word got out that the sub was missing and had failed to meet a comms check. And because one of the members was Hamish Harding, an Explorers Club member with an incredible pedigree of exploration. So that, that's how it started, Tyler. And, wow. and then I frantically worked my network. I called the former chief of naval operations, John Richardson, four-star admiral, now retired. It was a deep Navy deep submergence program uh, veteran. So he, he knew what we could do. He immediately got on the phone with the current chief of naval operations, Admiral Mike Gilday, also a friend of mine, and and that basically, thankfully, they had already marshaled the Navy's resources. There's a, a, a contract company that that can do salvage down to those depths, and everything was lining up to move them forward to the to Newfoundland. And so, thankfully, you know, I, I didn't I didn't miss. Uh, I mean, I I potentially could have helped, but the Navy was already on it, and that was great. Then I guess we were just riveted to the news and. Um, like you were, Tyler. And I, I don't know if you, you've seen a little bit of my post about the Explorers Club, haven't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have a real close connection to this to this one individual, Hamish Harding. Uh-huh. He is a, a, a British adventurer. He's set a world record by flying a, uh, uh, flying an aircraft around both poles and studying the, a, a, a speed record in the Guinness Book of World Records. And then in his adventurous spirit and with pretty deep pockets, he joined Victor Vescovo, who I've spoken about before, the famous deep sea explorer who's built a submersible that has full ocean depth capability called Limiting Factor. And he joined Victor for a dive into the Marianas Trench and and the Challenger deep part of it to 11,000 meters or 36,000 feet. And they both set records for the longest time spent at the deepest point in the ocean, as well as the greatest distance covered in, in a submersible at that depth. So th- those two were hand in hand setting this record together. 
And, and actually I, I, uh, yeah. And, and so Vic, we, I had met Hamish just this year when the Explorers Club convened a tribute ceremony to Don Walsh, who's very much connected to this story because Don was the first person with Jean Picard to dive in a submersible to Challenger Deep. And it was Victor who set the record after him by doing the most dives there and going to the deepest point. And it, it was probably, like you said, a highlight of your producing career to, have, career to have Ballard on the show. It was a highlight of, of my professional career to pose for a picture at the Explorers Club. On one side was Don Walsh, uh, or actually, it was, one side was me, one side was Victor, and in the middle was Don Walsh. And we were holding together. And by the way, Victor is Commander U.S. Navy retired. Don is Captain U.S. Navy retired. And I am uh, Rear Admiral U.S. Navy retired. And we were all holding together a U.S. Navy flag that Victor flew, in quotes, <laughs> you put in the pressure hall, outside the pressure hall of the submersible, a Navy flag that he folded up. And then when it came back and dried, he signed it for me. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. And that's, this is one of these events. And I remember standing in line to give a tribute to Don and who was, who was standing next to me, Hamish Harding. And so when I, I heard this, you could just imagine the grief I felt of, of having just seen him and his, his, his just a wad of as they say, you know, his joy of life, his love to get out and do things and live. And it just, it just saddens me beyond words to, to know that what happened to him. It is a tragedy, and uh, uh, I'm I'm happy to hear the way that you honor him, and it's it's nice to hear and learn more about uh, some of these victims. Um, who you know, uh, my understanding is that uh, as as we've come to learn more about these people, is that these were these were full, complete human beings, and um, there's been. Because of the intrigue and the incident, and the fact that it's the Titanic wreck, and all of the, all of the other stuff, I think that the individuals kind of get lost in it. So mm. I, I really appreciate that, Tim. And one other thing that I'd I'd love to just get your thoughts on, because um, you know, Don Walsh, and you know this this notion of deep submergence, and the challenge of it. Uh, and why it, why people that do it get into the Explorers Club, you know? Um, which, could you talk a little bit about why it's badass to be like these people that go super deep? I mean, I I, I feel like, you know, we, we almost take for granted the nature of going down to the bottom of the sea. Right. Well, it's interesting, Tyler. I, uh, I'm writing a book. I think I've mentioned a few episodes um, on my leadership experiences. And one of them involved when I was in charge of NOAA, I uh, was often kind of going mano y mano with the NASA administrator, Jim Bridenstine, and trying to get our agency uh, as much as popular and as visible as his. Um, because it's interesting, NASA has this great mission of putting people in space. Um, but but if you talk to people like Victor and Hamish, who had both been to space together and on a Blue Origin flight and had both been diving deep, they, they will all tell you, anybody who's done this, uh, including Scott Carpenter, um, um, who is a, a, a former astronaut and Sea Lab aquanaut. He's pa since mm -hmm. passed away. Um, but I, I, I met, interviewed him briefly, and they all tell you how space is really bright and shiny and beautiful and magnificent, but the ocean is, is hard on things. It's difficult to get work done on the ocean and under the ocean, especially at depth. And it's just, it's unforgiving. 
And so, um, and the, I mean, at the Titanic wasn't even full ocean depth, but still, I believe the the pressure per square inch was something like six hundred pounds. So yeah. it was just it was just brutal. I mean, that, and it's hard on equipment, electronics, salt water, and uh, and yes, and we we have a. Uh, I mean, actually, it's very interesting about that because. Uh, we've talked to Bob Ballard about this, and that's why he's he's pioneered the use of ocean robotics. And your company, Blue Robotics, doing the same because it's just such an unforgiving environment. And robotics help keep people safe and help uh, get, achieve more discovery uh, with less risk. But but then at the same time, of course, uh, Tyler, you get people like Hamish who knew that. And this is Victor. This is why Victor went has gone down to full ocean depth before. He just feels and many like this who've climbed mountains and have been to the North and South pole that, uh, there was just something about being in the element. And I get that. I want to be in the ocean. I want, I scuba dive, I'm going scuba diving next week off the flower garden banks, which is near a hundred miles off Galveston with these great coral reefs that are about a hundred, hundred feet at depth with my wife. Cause it's much better than a video game, right? It's seeing it and being in it. There's no question. I mean, like what manned, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I'm in, marine robotics i i believe in the power of robotics to help humans understand and explore but there's something about being in a place and observing it and being a part of it that when that you get through you know scuba diving and actually being submerged as a body <laughs> but also i think when you're in a submersible and you're in it uh in a in an in the deep sea environment i think there's a real value to that and it's also not unlike climbing mountains it is a high risk activity mm. like it's as you say i mean everything in the deep sea is hostile to technology and life support of of us terrestrial humans <laughs> right, it's right. really hard to it's really hard to make it work down there Absolutely. And it's interesting, too, because I, uh, in this great discussion that you and I are having, I uh, straddle both sides, if you will. I've I've partnered with Ballard. I've I've funded him when I was at NOAA and in the Navy. And then, uh, but I've also partnered with Viscovo, and he helped map areas of the ocean for NOAA. And so I I understand, and and I'm I'm a proponent of both sides of it. What's funny is there are those in each camp who have a little bit of professional disdain for each other. I remember having a discussion with Bob and he, he kind of, I, I mentioned what, what the scubba was doing and he used, he basically said something to the effect, anyone foolish enough to go down to full ocean depth at quote. And I, I, I laugh because Victor has done it quite successfully. Uh, so the, and the, and the re, you know what the reason, the reason he has is because he is superb at assessing risk. As a, as a retired Navy commander and, and mountain climber, he, he has honed that skill to um, a degree that few have. And in fact, uh, I wrote an op-ed on this uh, that's coming out in the Marine Technology Reporter. And I actually asked Victor if he wanted to co-author it with me. And because he was so close to Hamish, he just said it was just too soon. Um, and I, I absolutely respected that. But uh, And so this op-ed will be coming out fairly shortly. And in it, I, I just I, what I do is I talk a little bit about what happened and what the response would be. Because the entire marine technology community is is asking that question. How do we make sure this never happens again? And I think what some people, yeah, right. What some people totally. don't know, and I mean, it's, it kind of came out in some of the press, but but basically the Ocean Gate submersible, Titan submersible was not certified. It hadn't been pressure tested. 
And Victor's had. He had gone and pressure tested his sub to more than full ocean depth. And so what's what's interesting in this sort of, um, and there were other safety elements, the, the navigation uh, system, the inertial navigation system on the Titan was uh, not the best. And that, that's why that, which, that, that submersible would continue to get lost it, it repeatedly, which to me is mind boggling. I, I mean, if you're going to have these customers paying what they are, invest in a, in a top tier inertial navigation system and others. But ultimately, um, I think the key thing was, was some kind of safety certification. And again, with this crazy parallel with Titanic, after the Titanic sank, the Convention on the Safety of Life at Sea, SOLAS, was passed by the major maritime nations. And in that, it set the standards for equipment and, and construction of ships, ensuring that enough lifeboats were on board, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so I, I, in my op-ed, I basically say there either ought to be a SOLAS convention for submersibles or they ought to include submersible vehicle class into the current convention just for the point of safety. And I don't know, what do you think about that, Tyler? Well, I mean, I, I, I love the connection, the historical connection with um, the Titanic disaster and the, the focus on lifeboats. I mean, that's like a great um, historical example. And I would also say that, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm in this robotic space. I think it would be easy to over torque it here. Um, in the sense that uh, the track record, my understanding is that the track record of safety around the world is very good. And what you were saying about it's an exercise in understanding risk, that's like the motto of like marine engineering. Yes. <laughs> it's like, exactly. it, is, it, it, is the, it is the credo under which it's the spirit of the discipline because that's how you make things work. And so- um, I do think that this is a community of practice that will absolutely that that wants standards and will abide by them and will get excellent results with them. And um, I just am a big believer in this. I mean, come on, this is uh, particularly when there are souls aboard. Right. I mean, this can set the whole industry back. You know, the the Marine Technology Society authored that letter. Mm, right. to OceanGate. And I think that one of the key things in that letter is they say, hey, listen, you know, your your behavior here, if there's an incident, could ne- they say will negatively impact our whole community. Now, I really hope that doesn't happen. That's right. Because I'm, I'm with you. I like this glass half full view that like, hey, this is an opportunity to patch up the regulatory framework so this sort of thing doesn't happen again. But like, let's not, let's not take two steps backward in ocean exploration here. I mean, we need to be going the opposite direction. Exactly, exactly. That, and that's actually the, the point. My article is titled, uh, Don't Let This Tragedy Put a Pause to Ocean Exploration because of the, the advances that have been made, the great track record, record pardon me, of both manned, submersible, and robotic uh, ocean exploration and mapping. And uh, in fact, you, you just look at what Biscobo did. He's been down to below to the challenger deep 15 times and i forgot how many to below 10,000 meters which is just incredible and he's done that in all four of the world's oceans or all the five deepest parts of the ocean pardon me um and that's why i signed an agreement with him when i was at NOAA, and he's mapped the lucian trench for us and made uh 
the most precise depth measurement using uh, hydrophones basically uh, to assess the sound speed of the of the challenger deep and and what's neat too is previous episodes i've, I've been the champion for these topics uh, ocean mapping and exploration i covered early on i had a, a jill zandy from the marine advanced technology and education organization mate which is now within the marine technology society and their 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 stem Ed worked to champion ROV um, development, manufacturing, and engineering in high schools. Yep. And of course, as we mentioned, Bob Ballard has been on the show. And uh, who, who else to champion th- this important cause? And actually, you, you uh, I think it's really important to make sure that ocean exploration as an area is not subsumed or, or somehow the regulation of it is not... Um, there's, is, there's a greater purpose, is what I, I, my point, than, than just adventure tourism, which was the Ocean Gates' purpose, uh, because ocean exploration involves these immense benefits, national security benefits of knowing the undersea better than the adversary. There's incredible economic benefits by mapping uh, fisheries habitat and the, the, the geological assessments required for renewable and non-renewable energy. There's uh, there's important protection of natural and cultural resources. It's just it's all these and and add to that that we we know less about the seafloor than we do uh, the surface of the moon and Mars. So all of that really makes the point that we must continue this activity when it's done safely. And by and large, it is. And, and so, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that was like the big point of, of my op-ed and, uh, yeah. And I know you, you've uh, heard a lot of, on a lot of these coastal news today episodes, you've, you've heard discussions around that. Any, any thoughts that you have to contribute? Well, you know, I would just say that I'm, I, th- I find this to be a really interesting, um, moment. And I say this, uh, as in a positive way for, um, you know, not just the deep sea submersion community and the marine robotics community, although I will say that those communities are close to this, they're close to the epicenter and it, Mm. there will be impacts here. But for, you know, this, this did penetrate the cultural zeitgeist more broadly. Mm. And, um, you know, for a lot of people, they might've for the first time in their lives heard about uh, what an, an ROV and the challenges of of working in the deep sea, and uh, because it's associated with the Titanic, and it is, you know, the, I don't want to um, pull away from the tragedy of it. Sure. Um, but uh, I do think there is an opportunity to, uh, in a way, captivate people with the the ocean mm, here. Right. And um, you know. I would hope I, I've, I've noticed that I myself have been rewatching. I've become back interested in the uh, original Titanic dives mm. that uh, Ballard did. Right. And in fact, I've been, I noticed that CBS uh, posted on YouTube, a 1985 recording of his uh, like press conference that he gives right when he gets to shore. Oh yeah. That's classic. Uh, and yes. It, it's a classic. And let me tell you something. I'm just going to give you a quick pause. And I I, I want to give a shout out to the artist that made those slides. Uh, they are there. It's just like, you know, from a marine uh, mapping kind of architectural design perspective, they're really beautiful. Yes, and, I agree. 
um, they, they, Ballard kind of explains the geology of the region. You know, there's like a big sand dune area and there's a canyon and, um, you know, it's a, it's a complex geological zone and you really get the feeling that Ballard is a geologist because for the first 15 minutes of the presentation, he's describing the seabed there. That's right. That's right. Um, anyway, I, I've, I, I've noticed that these, these videos are like on YouTube and there's, I think a renewed interest. Um, and this stuff is also cool. I've got to say yeah, like, you know, submarines are really cool. Uh, they're, they're amazing machines. The engineering that goes into them is like, you know, li like what you were saying about space, it's like space, but harder. Um, it's a lot harder in many, particularly if you're putting a human in there and you got to do life support. So, uh, it's it's hard without a human, Tim. <laughs> right, right. I'll tell you, our guys at Blue Blue Robotics would would say that it's challenging. Even simple things are challenging in the deep sea. Right. So, hmm. uh, well, no, I I totally agree with you. We we need to keep the uh, the positivity the, of the of the evolution of this moving forward. Hmm. And the way to do that is by learning from this, right. learning from this example. Yeah, exactly. And, and interestingly, myself and uh, Victor, we had written, uh, as I mentioned, a, a prior op-ed in the Marine Technology Reporter, and we made a point uh, about all the opportunities and just new discoveries that ocean exploration can make and, and that we have, have to keep continuing these as long as we don't let regulations overly restrict their, their safe and sustainable uh, execution. Um, but, but you're right. It, it, there is so much coolness to this topic, to the ocean and ocean technology, because there's so much to discover. We've not, we've not even explored 80% of the ocean. And in fact, when, what I was really pleased to see in my former agency, NOAA, is that uh, while I was there, uh, I, I initiated at this Ocean Policy Committee in the White House meeting, uh, a pro I proposed to develop a national strategy to map and explore the ocean. Well, sure enough, we, we did it, and it was published in 2020. And, and then right as I left, we published an implementation plan, and everybody's involved. It's the, it's the USGS, it's NOAA, it's the Navy, it's uh, interior with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and, and NASA even is contributing in a way. And, and that is underway still. And I think when we first put out that plan, we had not mapped barely 45% of our exclusive economic zone. And now that number is up to something like 52 or three. So, so we're making progress, which is really, really good. And, uh, and making new discoveries, new species every day, new geological formations, undersea uh, volcanoes and seamounts that are hazards to submarine navigation. And so it's just really exciting. And I was really pleased. We had this article that got published and it was, it was, it just basically said that Noah was embarking on the next Lewis and Clark expedition, but it was going to be under the sea. And I have to, and I was really proud of that, that press, but I'll be honest to all the listeners. I, I did borrow from Bob Ballard because he in 2015, I believe, made the same exact pitch with his ship Nautilus and he was featured and I encourage our audience to go check it out on 60 minutes and Laura Logan interviewed him for the second time. And the title of the episode was the unknown America. Yeah. How about that, Tyler? No, it's, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of ocean exploration is that we're exploring, I mean, our home planet and we don't, the mystery is so alive, 
the the amount of mm. mystery is oh it it's it captivates the imagination and you know dr ballard uh is as he said on your show you know he is a geologist first and that's true um but he is also a damn smart publicist and communicator and he he <laughs> like has a way else. i mean he really has a way with it and um i've i've you know as someone who works in uh ocean media tim i'm i'm like like i said the even his presentation his 1985 presentation he's right off the boat i mean it's it's really good and it's factual and it's also compelling and mysterious and um it, it it he involves all the technology you know there's lots of angles to get people in uh there's the tech angle it's cool there's robots there's the ocean exploration the mystery of the deep sea you know all this stuff is extremely compelling and and this is good for humanity man like mm. the, i think that it's important that we you know as as humans we need to understand the earth systems better and the ocean and the mapping of the bottom of it is a huge part of us understanding that oh there's so much behind it and there's the ecosystem part of it and the the ecosystems throughout the sea from the surface down to the hadal zone and there is even sea life in the hadal zone it, it's all interconnected and understanding it it will help us better manage it and be better stewards there's the chemical and geochemical element of it which is really important from the the climate prediction side of the house and it is an earth system you have to understand the entire ocean to best predict what the earth system the climate will go in the, be in the future and um and and then from on the, at the micro scale the impact of knowing the system better is going to allow us to better predict severe storms and storm surge and the things that affect people every day uh yeah, absolutely very good I, but i thought the publicist part of dr Ballard was a good thing to talk about a little bit because you're right in fact i'm doing some research i did i, I wrote about him a bit on in my book and the guy has accomplished quite a bit i mean he has been in more than 100 books uh, all published not all mostly published by the national geographic society he many dozens of movies and uh specials and uh, and yeah, he and it's funny. There's a part of that book in the interview. In fact, for our listeners, you can go back on on the the American Blue Economy podcast website and look at the episode I had with him. And then I actually reran it when we learned that the Navy's newest oceanographic ship is going to be named after Bob Ballard, and uh, and that's a great show. And we went and we we had a little exchange about the fact that there were members of his committee and in the community who called him a publicity hound. And, and and ventured to you know, suggest that he wasn't doing good science. Well, when he defended his dissertation, he disproved all of that. And what's great about his dissertation, which I thought was just fantastic, and it gets it gets so overlooked by that old boat is what his mom would call Titanic. That's right. Uh, it was it was the fact that he made revolutionary discoveries that had forced us to rewrite the textbooks in chemical oceanography when he discovered helped discover black smokers. Uh, geological oceanography when he helped uh, um, survey with the French the, the spreading center at the mid-ocean, Atlantic Mid-Ocean Ridge to confirm plate tectonics, and then biological oceanography with hydrothermal vents. And uh, it just, and I, I, he really had a trifecta of a thesis, and uh, that was really fun to explore with him on that show. 
Yeah, the Titanic is merely the cherry on top. Uh, <laughs> it's a big with, one. It's a it's a nice cherry. Uh, no, I mean, tr- truly deserving of uh, that. The naming, the honor of of um, having a ship named after him. I think that there is a real spirit of curiosity and a an ingenuity to get it done with him that I think um, is something that I really look up to. Like, so he would, he has a curiosity. He wants to do Mm -hmm. a dive. He wants to create a new technology. And then he has to say, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to make this work in an ecosystem where there just aren't enough resources and it's extremely competitive? And that was all to do science. Mm -hmm. Uh, So all of that marketing and, you know, quote unquote, publicity hounding that he was doing, uh, got him the juice to do the science that he did. And I think that that's like, there's really something to be learned from that. That's a, that's a, an important part of, of getting as much done as he did. I mean, as you, that rap sheet is incredible. Mm, right. And he, he, uh, he, he also demonstrates something that's, I think, uh, just a characteristic of the ocean science and technology community. And that is that adaptability and ingenuity because you're out at sea and you don't have a, a, a massive shoreside infrastructure to support you when things break. <laughs> and so problems occur and you have to fix them on the fly. And that, that's why I've always loved being a, a seagoing oceanographer is that then, and especially when you are forced to do that with a small group of people on a ship this, the camaraderie of, of those victories is is something that you can, can't really experience el- elsewhere except in the Navy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. Before we move on to the next topic, I want to talk just really quickly about uh, James Cameron on on this issue. Um, he actually appeared with Bob Ballard uh, on uh, several broadcasts, right. and um, which I thought was really cool and really classy. Uh and they would kind of tag team it. But uh, what I appreciated about Cameron, and I, I went on a whole James Cameron kind of deep dive, but like the the degree to which he talked about the technicalities of not only the Titan submersible, but like his own submersible and how, you know, the, you know it wasn't just pressure and implosion. It was specific capsules and pressure cylinders and materials you know i think that there is a there is a uh, there's a degree of technicality that that i really respected about him putting into the public eye that you know it, when you do this business it's not just hopping into uh your corolla and rolling down to the grocery store this is a this these these are highly technical systems that you your your life depends on and Cameron has taken it upon himself in building his own uh, submersible to understand every system on board, every system on board. He understands backwards and forwards. And I think that that's like, you know, when, when we think about the ethos of a submersible pilot and Tim, I'd love, you know, you've worked with uh, sub mariners in the Navy and, uh, I, I mean, my understanding is that these guys are like, these are incredible technicians of their machine. And uh, that's that's a part of the ethos that I hope gets um, communicated and celebrated here. Um, because 
you know, you don't just hop into a submersible and go diving. Um, there's, there's, it, it's, a, it's like, it's, it's, it's harder than piloting an airplane. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of another example, but it's just, it's an incredibly, there's a, there, it's, it's all about the risk. It's about checklists. It's about understanding your systems. It's about checking and double checking. And, um, you know, there's, a, it reminds me of Neil Armstrong, uh, like, you know, th- that, that type of personality, um, that's the type of, of, of personality that really attracts and, and is the best in submariners. In, in my opinion, what, what's it like in the Navy? It's exactly as you say. It's extreme engineering, and it's it's the height of professional expertise because of lives being dependent upon that. So, so there's the the certification, the triple, quadruple testing that occurs for submarines for platforms like that, and that and that and yes, and you see this community. This community wouldn't have that flawless until now track record had it not been for that ethos of engineering expertise. And uh, and I am I'm I'm proud to be associated with that community absolutely 100. Um, percent In fact, uh, well, I, w- I wanted to say though too that, um, that to bring this all together, I guess if you will, because I, there's a lot of topics we're hitting, and I, I'd like our listeners to take away a few things. And and I, as we mentioned early on, um, I think uh, some certification, safety certification standards. Would be would be a nice outcome of this, I think, just to prevent it from happening in the future. Pre- prevent people doing experimentation that is maybe irresponsible. The second thing I think is important is not at is that that would we, that would be that would happen, but not at the expense of limiting and putting a damper on on submersible operation, human occupied submersible op- op- operations, as well as robotic operation in terms of the exploration and mapping of the ocean and that we want that and that that's that's a really important uh, takeaway here um, but then as we talked about in the beginning Tyler um, I think it's important also recognize our, our lost fellow explorers Hamish is the one I knew I, I did not know the others but uh, I think a key takeaway is that um, in all this discussion, as we as we wish to honor these people and their tragic loss, uh, I think we can recognize that one of their greatest passions was exploring the ocean. And I think by us carrying on and continuing to do that uh, with even greater uh, fervor and zeal would be the best way to honor and tribute them. Well said, man. Right on. Well, hey, uh, lot to say here. And Tyler, I could talk with you about maritime anything <laughs> all day. But uh, we're going to go ahead and cut this episode off right now and, and say uh, that we are, uh, our, our lost ex- fellow explorers are in our hearts. Their families are certainly in our prayers. And, um, and we hope we can all learn and get better from this experience in this latest leg of our journey on the American Blue Economy podcast. Before I close, Tyler, do you have anything else you want to share? I would just uh, thank you, Tim, for uh, having me on today. It's always a real pleasure to be on your show. And um, yeah, I, I, I just second everything you said about the victims here. And I think one way that we can honor them is by bringing forth some certification and making it that this incident stands for progress. Well said, Tyler. Thank you. 
Okay, well, everybody, Tyler Buckingham, our engineer and producer and business development lead at Blue Robotics, thanks for coming on board and thank you for the idea. This is your idea, so really good job. Thank you. And so uh, here we are. We had a little uh, assessment here of the Ocean Gate Titan submersible tragedy. And uh, we do hope that the community does pursue some kind of certification, uh, safety certification. But uh, let's not have put a pause on exploration and mapping as many of my episodes have sought to promote and will do in the future. And so please, uh, you know this is a largely unknown ocean and uh, I think the more we can discover, the better for humanity. Uh, thank you for joining us on this latest episode of the American Blue Economy Podcast. Be sure to check out our August episode where we are going to discuss how the science, service, and stewardship of the NOAA Corps of Commissioned Officers contributes to the American Blue Economy. This is your host, Admiral Tim Gallaudet, CEO of Ocean STL Consulting. Thank you for joining us, shipmates. I look forward to getting underway with you next time. Mm-hmm.